somehow I think what it is is people are too busy buying buying stuff. That's right. what they're doing. They're buying right stuff. Right now. Well, after Thanksgiving, like you know, right. Black Friday. I yeah. think that they actually set time aside in their lives Absolutely. to optimize savings. So they're too busy buying stuff. <laughs> That's what right. I think. Right. Absolutely. It'll be it'll be interesting to see too. So like, yeah, we so we had that giant influx before Thanksgiving. And then now afterwards, we're, we're having that decline in, mm -hmm. in the amount of people that are applying. And we, we, we haven't done as much follow-up with people too, but it also makes me wonder like, okay, so you, you mentioned a good point. I think people are preparing for Christmas. Right. So they're, they're out shopping and taking care of a lot mm -hmm. of personal needs. I'm just, I'm curious to see if there's an uptick again too, now that like the, the Thanksgiving right. feasts are over well, and people are settled and Cyber I, Monday's out of the way. Yeah. Now the thing is, Year to year, things change, right? So I don't know. But December is one of my biggest months ever for people coming into my program, ever. They're oh, not thinking, yeah, gee, I'm spending. They're like, oh, holy crap, I need to get myself positioned for the new year, and I better start that now, you know? Ooh. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's a big fact. So mm -hmm. what, what else do you think drives December growth for you? Uh, I, I actually have a December, like I, I make it juicy. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, welcome into Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Jean Omlor on our stage today. And the big reason why is because she's big on Decembers and making impact in December. So if that's you, if you're in that position where you're looking for your best month ever, you're looking to raise up and make high impact, as you, of course, go towards enjoying the holidays, she's going to have a gift for you in terms of the amount of value she's going to have on hand. So if you have a pen and paper, I recommend pulling it out if you have access to one or use your phone to be able to take some notes because we're going to throw down and talk about maximum impact and scale for coaches and service providers. And she's looking to scale people to six and seven figures, maybe beyond. We'll talk about that too. Before I bring her on stage though, I definitely want to give a shout out to some of the sponsors that we've been impressed with, uh, entities that we work with directly. Cold Click is what we use for our LinkedIn automation tool set. Now we've used Ulink um, and we actually use it as part of ColdClick. We've used Buzz, um, decent program. We've uh, got Octopus tied into this, but having a team that helps us make sure that we're abiding by the algorithms and maximizing the amount of people that we get in front of. Also somebody to talk to about um, what is their approach and take on messaging and what are they seeing across the board with their different accounts. It's always great to work with a provider who has excellent insight to help you maximize the platforms that you're using. And most of you visionaries need to be expanding at the top of funnel, that distribution, in order to get the right people to come into play. It's not about getting the most people all the time. Some businesses, yes, it is. YouTube, they probably want to do that. TikTok, they're probably on that note. But a lot of you, it's about getting the right people in. And the best way to do that is attract more people so the right people see the fit to work with you. Then there's Simply Fast Websites. Anybody who is new to the website space, you're you know, new to the, the world of launching your vision, my greatest gift to you would be to say, try to simplify the de time dedication you put towards your website and not overthink it. Progress is far better than perfection, and your vision is going to evolve as you go. Hence why one of my past companies was called The Pivot Point. 
there's this point of pivoting that's going to occur and likely over and over. So what I love about this is Shane builds websites starting at 179 bucks. If you're just getting started, that's what I would do. I would go with something super affordable with somebody who understands the, the idea behind strategy. And I would spend less time on Wix and Squarespace and Weebly and WordPress and all these other platforms that I spent way too much time on in the beginning when I could have been promoting my vision rather than being hiding behind the curtains, building my website. Then there's the water project, the water project near and dear to my heart. I know where to get this every single day. I don't have to search for it. I am blessed beyond reason, as are most of us that are listening to this. Yet there's millions of people in the world who do not have access to clean drinking water. And the, I love their mission, their goal. I love the way they've set this program up. You actually get to see which community you're contributing to if you want to. Whether you contribute $1 or $20,000 or $200,000, you also get to see the outcome of those projects. And what a blessing it is for those people's lives. So if you're in a capacity to give back to uh, something and you don't know what, here's an opportunity for you. In addition to that, if you have a cause that you'd like to see us promote, maybe something happened uh, in a friend's life, maybe there's another cause that nationally that we're not aware of right now, feel free to drop those links in the comments to allow others to share, contribute, and give back. I think it's very important that we take the opportunity to um, to help those who maybe not uh, may, may not be in as fortunate of a position as we are at this time. So without further ado, I'm gonna bring Jean Amlor on stage Welcome to Vision Pro's Life. I love the way you call it a stage, but yet I'm just sitting in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> the stage of your chair. Absolutely. Oh, man. Um, well, let's let's talk about your definition of who should be listening, John, and why should they listen to you? I love that question. So they should listen because I have figured out how to bring in clients in a very simple way without, you know, I would love how you were talking about all that simplicity, but without tech, without funnels, well, very little tech. I, I figured out the, the necessities because I'm terrible at tech of, I thought, you know, when I got online, I thought I can't do all these funnels and stuff. I just that, you know, websites. No. So I had a website yeah. by the way, but I just thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to not talk about my bad website. Cause you know, it's been fixed up since right. I'm not going to tell them to go there. And, and I don't have this long, you know, runway. I was 54 years old and a broke single mom when I decided I better get my booty online. And mm -hmm. I thought, hey, I can't do all this. This is like, I saw the writing on the wall. I thought this is months of building funnels. And I thought, no, how do I do this really simply? So I figured out what's called organic marketing and how to go get clients by conversation online. And it's worked and I've helped over 400 people and I've made over $3 million now in four years. Mic drop. I love it. Your mic's stuck and so is mine. So we can't literally do that, but you just did it. So <laughs> that's awesome. Tell me about this vision you have for those that you serve. What does that look like? Okay. My vision is this. First of all, I love your water project. That's very touching because I, I, I do believe that, that water is something so basic that most human, being, most human beings don't have. I think, I think it's most, right? And we take it for granted. So there's another thing that we take for granted, and that is money. Like, Yep. People take for granted money, even though they're all stressed out about money and they've made money a god or a demon or a this or a that. And, well you know, it, like, right. You know what I mean? It's just well energy. Well Money's spectrum. just it's energy. So my thing is because I was broke for a lot of my life. So I was an artist. I lived in Paris <laughs> in a garret with no money and a mattress. And a, I was into minimalism before it was a thing. Okay. <laughs> I lived in a garret across the street from Saint-Sulpice, the church in the best area in Paris. 
and I had a maid's room that my friend's mom owned the building. And she said, give that to Jeanne. I just like her because her mother was an artist type. And I had like free rent for 15 months and, and there was nothing. There was not a heater. It was just a mattress and a chair. That was it. And I had this makeshift kitchen and I had to walk 15 feet to get cold water. Okay. So, and the bat and the, the toilet was like well, 12, 12 to 15 feet away. Okay. So, you know, it's kind of fun for a while than it wasn't, but I'm, what I'm saying is I've been through a lot of things that the average American has not been through. I've, I've right. traveled a lot and, and, you know, that was my life. And finally a friend of mine said, I'm buying you a heater cause you're always wearing jackets. So I said, I'm always cold. Uh -huh. <laughs> so he bought me a heater. So I had a space heater, a mattress and a chair in that room. That was it. Wow. So, so I'm emotionally connected to helping people to make money. Money is good. Mm. I used to think it was bad. I thought, oh, those people that make money, they're bad. I'm so virtuous because I'm a poor, starving artist. Well, you know, that's just a lot of problems, psychological problems, I think, you know, let's admit it. There's self-righteousness so, in that. There you go. There you have it. I'm admitting it. So when I realized, you know, when I moved to New York and I started to realize I have a problem that I think that money's bad, right? Because, you know, the starving artist, that's so cool. We have no, you know, we're poor and all that. It's not cool. It's nothing cool about stress, about paying your rent, nothing cool. Because stress about basic stuff takes your energy away from creating other things and having happiness, okay? And, and, and so people aren't getting that. They're like, well, it's, it's you know, virtuous to be a coach and give it away for free. Is it really? It's really virtuous that your business isn't working and you're stressed out and you're in lack? How can you be a good coach when you're stressed about money? It's in the back of your mind the whole then time. You're going to have to close your business. So you're not going to be able to help people. So exactly. how, yep. Right. Or you're going to just, you know, put on that fake, you know, a lot of coaches have this fake front that they're doing well, but they're not. So then they're living a lie that I'm doing well. And I, you know, I'm doing well, really, how well are you doing? The stress of not having enough money to just pay rent or mortgage without thinking about it is a destructive energy in our lives. That's a fact. So I, my mission is to get coaches and service providers and consultants to a point where they're not worried about money, that, that it's paid, we're good. And that's my mission is to get at least, well, I want to help a million people. Okay. I want to help a million people to get to at least 10 K a month. Because my, my thing is most people at 10 K, they're pretty okay. Unless you're living in California, All right. <laughs> then you're right. poor. Yeah. Then you got to move. <laughs> you <gotta laughs> you move. Stay there. <laughs> For most places, the Californians are going to laugh because we all know California is like, and also like New York City. But yeah. most people, if they earn 10K a month, they're pretty okay unless they have like outstanding health expenses or something like that. So my minimum for people is about at least 10K months. Minimum. That's my goal for all of my clients. Of course, I want more for them. So I am I am emotionally connected to helping people to thrive because, because I've been through that and I figured it out. It is not, oh yeah, I want to help people. No, I know what that is to have years of stress and also years of being distracted by that stress and yeah. not fulfilling other stuff in my life creative, creatively or or you know doing other things because so much of your energy, which is not virtuous, is taken on, on, on a worry and worrying right. about finances. It's not the way to go. It's not right. virtuous. It's better to be rich. <laughs> it's yeah. better. Rich and abundant, right? There, exactly. there, there are principles that go beyond the, the, the paper um, that people think of. And I like right. that you, you talk about the minimum. I, I see, you know, I, I do put, I stereotype 
I put mm -hmm. leaders in different buckets, um, you know, right. and that's part of the process of recognizing like, who should I be taking advice from and who should I not? The more right. abundant leaders that I talk to, they have no fear whatsoever of outlining their worst case scenarios mm -hmm. and outlining their minimum positions for right. happiness or for stability. Right. And right. it doesn't take away at all from their ability to project what's possible and on the right. horizon and their recognition of abundance. So I'm going to start putting you in those categories, Jean, this is already turning into a lovely conversation. Wonderful. What is your vision for yourself? Okay. For myself, yeah. my vision is, well, it's, it's myself and beyond myself. Cause I can't really separate that, but I've realized sure. I want to make a hundred million dollars. Okay. Okay. Now, obviously I'm never going to spend a hundred million dollars and I actually live very simply. Okay. So mm -hmm. I realized the number where I could be so free that I could get that money and help other people is $100 million. With $100 million, you can get more people to give you more millions and billions, right? And you could actually yep. create some real impact. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's it. Now, for me, I just want to have enough money that, that my kids are fine. I'm fine. I do want to get a $10 million portfolio, okay? But on a personal level, I, I do um, want to not grow more. See, grow and scale are two different things. I'm growing. But I want to scale to a point where my team does all the stuff. I'm still doing certain things that I probably don't want to do. I hire everything out, but yep. there's still certain things like, you know, so I want to get to a point where even more of my time is, is saved because there's nothing better than time in life. You can get more money. You can buy more clothes. You can buy another car. You will never get your time back ever. So I am what's called, I call myself the time Nazi. Like I don't want to waste a minute of my life. And I also don't want to waste a minute of other people's lives. And I really value people's time. Like I, I would never be that person to waste your time. I'm never late. I'm, you know, unless it's like an accident, you know, like I, I am on time because wow. then I'm wasting 10 minutes of my friend's time that they can't get back. I that because I wasted so much of my time when I was younger, like just mm. so was wasted on worrying about stuff, not, not doing what I really was meant to be doing, but I didn't know, I didn't know what I was meant to be doing then. So for, for me, it is to get some of my time back, help my daughters more because they're going to be going into college at some point. So I want to help them and, and, you know, make that transition. That's a lot of research and just yeah. get more of my time back sure. so that my, my business can run a little more, not without me, that's never going to happen, but a little more without me. So I can also visit my friends all around the world and stuff like that. And so that's my personal vision is that I don't want to worry about money. Okay. But it yeah. won't take that much for me to not to worry about money. It won't take that much more. Okay. So, so yep. once I'm good, once I'm good, cause I'm 58 now, so I'm not completely set and I live a long life. I still got to earn some money. Okay. So you know, yep. I've done well for the last four years, but I didn't do well for the 54 years before that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'm up. You know, like some people are smarter. We're than all me. learning. Well, you know, people are smarter than me. They're getting their, you know, 401ks. And I had nothing four years ago. I was just deep debt. 54 mm -hmm. years old, nothing. So I had to catch up. So in four yep. years, I'm not completely caught up that it's going to like sort out the rest of my life if I live long. Right. So yeah. once I'm sorted and I've got those numbers sorted out, no matter what, if there's some health catastrophe, because that's going to drain, right? I'm going to get that number and go, okay, I'm good no matter what. My kids are good. My kids are good no matter what anyway. They have life insurance plans. <laughs> so we're good, right? <laughs> They're taking care of few. That's great. If I live long, I still need to bring more money in, okay? And I got to get some good investments going so that, that, that no matter what, I don't have to worry. Once I'm at that point, 
I'm good. Then I'm like, okay, what do I do for other people? Yep. I mean, I'm still doing something now, but I mean more like on a larger scale. Yeah. So that's my vision. My vision is I would like to help more people beyond coaches. I would like to figure out some way, and I don't know what that is, some way where anyone can thrive, like anyone, that they don't have to be well presented. You know, for coaches, we have to know how to speak. We have to know how to coach. We have to be presentable if we're doing video or something like that, right? Yep. What about the people that don't speak good English, don't speak any language well, you know, wherever they live, who maybe aren't so educated and maybe, you know, just need to find a way to make money without having to go online and, and you know, talk about coaching. You know if what I mean? Do. Oh, I know. <laughs> if you knew my background, you would know I know what you mean, um, which is great. So there's plenty of opportunity for us to explore that as time goes on. There's so many things you talked about that I want to hit on. And it feels like I'm going to steal the stage a little bit. But I, in, in essence, I want to honor what you've thrown down, unpack it a little bit for people. So let's go in. Um, we're not even going to go in a particular order. Oportunidades de trabajo para Latinos. Opportunities for work for Latinos. That's my number mm. one program. That's my number one. That's where my heart says to bridge the economic gap between South mm. America and North America. Knowing that I'll also be attracting people to that process who happen to be doing the same thing for other continents and stuff. So that vision will expand at some point, even beyond what it already mm. is. And when I hear somebody talk about when I used to hear somebody say, I want to get people to $10,000 a month, right? And it's so important. And I know that's not a lot, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I, I love that and honor that now. In my past, I felt irate about mm. that. I was angry because mm. I spent two years in Uruguay living in very, very humble circumstances, helping people who would have loved to have $200 a month for mm -hmm. their survival needs. And they would have been great had they gotten to $500 a month. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and so I had this paradigm that really, really got struck hard when I got home and I was like, man, we are, we, we, and I, I had a judgment that wasn't mm -hmm. fair. That mm -hmm. was based on an experience I had others didn't. And mm -hmm. I had to learn to figure out how does compassion apply to all circumstances? And why do I have this judgment of wealth, you know, and, and mm -hmm. abundance mm -hmm. in watching Mitt Romney run for president? And he had this investor meeting that went horribly wrong and got mm -hmm. aired. I'm not going to, everybody knows that story. You can go well, look at it. If you, if you don't know the story, you can go look at it. But what inspired mm -hmm. me about the circumstance was, huh, I've, I've fought against money up to that point. I had mm -hmm. this mindset against, I had that demonization of money and saying, I don't care about the money. And mm -hmm. I realized none of the investors would have been in that room with him. None of them. Mm -hmm. If he didn't have a hundred million dollars, just like you said, if he exactly. did not, if he was not a wise steward of his funds, mm -hmm. if he did not have the external factors that showcase where he's at too, nobody would have been listening to him. Exactly. So huge power that exists there. So we're going to be talking exactly. about growth versus scale in just a minute too. Mm -hmm. I do want to play devil or angels advocate, whichever one you want to choose to look at it mm -hmm. as with one of the statements. And that was on wasting people's time while mm -hmm. honoring the reality that my grandma is one of the most successful and amazing people ever. She's mm -hmm. like you. And mm -hmm. she never showed up to something less than 30 minutes early. She was always on time. She made wow. sure to do everything she needed to do to be there on time. Mm -hmm. I'm late to a lot of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I happen to be, and I don't try to be, but mm -hmm. I also divide myself over commit too much mm -hmm. right. to, to different aspects. And some people see that as irresponsible or rude, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I made a shift. I, I, I did the responsible thing for a long time where I was always early mm. and I felt so boxed in. And I realized, wait a second, 
waste and worry go hand in hand. Mm. I used to get mad at people for not being on time. And mm-hmm. then I realized like, wait a second, if I create a safe space for people mm-hmm. as a leader and I come to listen first, are you okay? You know, is, is everything okay mm-hmm. that's going on in your life? I can use my time. If you're late. Oh my gosh. You just gave me five minutes to take care of things that, that sure. I need to take care of or center myself mm-hmm. with my, with my greater, greater being or whatever it is. Right. Mm. I, I, there is no waste. Um, you know, and that's, right, that's right. a different concept, but I, you know, the thing, I agree, I'd love for you to add to it. Right. Of course. Now this is the thing, you know, they did studies on people that are always late, that they have low self-worth. The studies on people who are always late have a yeah, well, because, because I used to be that late version. Right. Because they know that people are going to be mad at them and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of people being pissed off at them. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, of course mm-hmm. we can all be late, but the, the point is that yeah. if I am running out of the house to be on time for something and then I have to wait a half an hour, well, I could have stayed at home doing what I was doing for another half hour. Right. Right. Now, of course, if somebody's late and they're a friend and there's an excuse, I'm not going to be mad at them. Of course not. And the funny thing is I'm never late. I am never late except one of my friends. I'm always early, but then you know you're too early and you start doing something else. And then you're like, oh, darn it, I missed it. One of my friends, friends, for some reason, I always underestimate the time it's going to get me to go somewhere with her. Okay. I'm like, I can't believe this. She, I said, I am never late. And so I made it a point like to be earlier the other day for her because it was so unlike me. It was just my, my calculations were off about the traffic and I just moved to Tampa and blah, blah, blah. But I think that uh, this is the deal in France. If you're 10 minutes up to 10 minutes, you're not late. That's the culture. Uh-huh, right. And same in Uruguay and South America. Yeah, it's probably, probably 45 minutes in Uruguay. Uh-huh, yes, very good. It is. <laughs> but, or if it's in, raining, you're not going anywhere. So In France, I'd turn up like running in and I was a minute late and somebody would be like, no, you're on time anywhere. Uh, even one of the, I used to teach English and this gentleman I used to teach, he said, actually, even in high business in pa- pa- France, he said, if you're up to 10 minutes, you're not considered late. I said, wait, that's business? He goes, oh yeah. They build it in. That you yeah. can be up to 10. It's hilarious that they're so late. Right. That's, that's okay. We're going to give you a free pass until the 10th minute. He goes, but one minute past that 10 minutes, you are very rude and you're late. I said, wow, fascinating. Okay. Right. But you know what really made me start to really not like people being late is when I was living in Paris, I used to have Greek friends. Now, you know Greek time? No, I don't. Greek time is that they turn up whenever they want. Oh. Okay. All right. It's, <laughs> called, called, Greek, it's called Greek time. Oh, I had I had certain Greek friends that just wouldn't turn up at all sometimes. Like, what? Oh, you understand I'm Greek. And I said, no, I don't understand that. That's just rude. I was just waiting. You know, you don't. Right. And there was no cell phones then. So they couldn't say, hey, you know, oh, I got caught up. You understand. Well, no, I don't actually. I was waiting at the cafe and you didn't turn up. That's just rude. You know, so, yeah. um, no, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, well, no, you hit, the, you, you hit it on the head. You already opened the, the veil for this. Right. I want to move to some other points because you've already given a sure. lot to talk about on this. And what, yeah. we're, what you're honoring is the fact that in the world, and this is huge for people, there's an etiquette, yes. right? There's an etiquette that there's multiple etiquettes mm-hmm. and multiple paradigms. And when we harmonize with that etiquette and have right. a sense of compassion, mm-hmm. we can combine purpose, compassion for a harmony to make sure that we're constantly learning, what does that look like for others exactly. so that we become a better leader? And you, exactly. You and if that. somebody's late once, I'm not going to be mad at them. But if they're consistently right. late for me, it's just a lack of respect. That's Absolutely. All. Right. Absolutely. Grow versus scale. 
you hit this. Uh, yeah. We, we, I know where you're going with this. I'm yeah. excited to have my paradigm broken a little bit further though, open. Sure. And uh, for everybody else, talk about the difference between growth okay. and scale. Sure. First of all, people confuse this all the time. Okay. Yeah. Growth isn't scale. Growth is growing. Growing is making like, you know, you're growing from 20 K month to 30 to 40 to blah, blah, blah. Okay. hundred K I grew. Well, scale is when you are able to scale that and not have to work 10 times harder. Scale is tied to your own time. Again, it's about time and energy. So growing is you're growing. You're making more. Fantastic. Right. But you're not scaling until you can keep growing it and, and sustain that without you having to do five times the work and then it's not sustainable. Here's what you sparked in me. You sparked something huge. I didn't okay. have this until you came along and just said this. This is the difference in a tree and the seeds. This is the right. difference in the dandelion and the seeds. Right. Right. The growth of the tree is not mm -hmm. as it, it's, it's a profound, it's extensive, it's healthy, it's important. Mm -hmm. It's completely different than the process yes. of that, that tree becoming multiple trees. Absolutely. And it applies like that. The metaphors help me at least uh, mm. understand the process. And okay, that makes sense universally. So well said, mm. growth versus scale. Right. But because people don't know it, I just use the word scale when they think they're growing. I say, sure, where do you want to scale it to? Right. And they, they don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, in the middle. <laughs> you know, and I'll, I'll use the word grow because I'm trying to like just, you know, educate people like subliminally. But but that's the thing is scaling. So I'm I'm more like about scaling my business now, like really a scale, right? Like where I can do what you said, the seeds, right? Being thrown all over the place and creating corn, or even where you don't want corn. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right, part of the process. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So let's dive into the some of the pathway. Perhaps mm -hmm. in the past could be recent. What's the worst leadership experience you've ever had, seen, or witnessed? Okay, I got a doozy for you. Okay, years ago, I was a waitress when I was in college. I, I used to live in Perth, Western Australia, and I got a job for the Sheraton Hotel, which over there, the Sheraton was the highest level hotel, luxury hotel. And I, I got a, a job waitressing in banquets while I was at college. Um, and then when I was there, uh, you know, I sort of kind of had a good time. And I thought maybe I should find another job because, you know, it gets old after a while. And I, and so this guy, one of the managers said, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. I'm going to be managing. There was another, it's called the Merlin's Luxury Hotel that they built in the day. It was in the 1980s. It was a big deal because it was a brand new luxurious hotel called the Merlin Hotel. And it was overlooking the river down the road in Perth. And he goes, I'm going to be managing this top seafood restaurant there. I'm the manager. And I'd love if you want to come and waitress there. I said, okay, sure. You know, it's a new experience, blah, blah, blah. So I quit my job. My, my nice, friendly job at the Sheraton, right? You know, it's fun. It's just a ball. We had a ball. And I go to this restaurant and it's this stuck up. And it was the 80s when, when businessmen were allowed to misbehave and, and there was no, no, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Right? And so, unfiltered, raw. Unfiltered, you know, yeah. and just they, none of that. Abusive in, in yes, a lot of ways. Exactly. So I have a lot of self-respect with that. Okay. I always have. So I didn't put up with anything ever. And mm -hmm. um, so good for you. I, I go to, you know, this, and actually at the Sheraton, if they ever were inappropriate, the managers would go talk to the people and say, how dare you talk to my waitress? How dare you? Even in the day, they had a very progressive um, way of, of, of operating that they would, yeah. they would, you know, cool. they, they would tell us, you tell us if anybody does anything inappropriate and they would go 
and a lot of virtue and protection built into the shares. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Exactly. But that was then when then it wasn't the whole suing thing. It was Australia. It wasn't America. They just wanted to protect their workers. Okay. Right. Which was great. And I could yeah. see they cared about it. It was one of their things. And they would go and you they would have these like really wealthy businessmen and these, you know, big, you know, expensive banquets. And I would see the manager go over and say, How dare you talk to that? Don't you ever do go apologize? And they were like, uh, 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 like, go apologize to that waitress right now. It was astounding in the day. Good for okay. Them. This guy, he just started the job. I I was usually doing um evening shifts, but I decided, okay, I'll do a, you know, pick up a, you know, a, 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 a lunch shift. I go to do the lunch shift. And somebody actually dared to put their hand on my backside. Okay. And I thought, oh, I mean, I, I was just like controlling myself. Okay. So he, he puts his hand on my backside and he goes, oh yeah, love. And I turned around and I said, get your hand off my butt right now. Or I said backside, cause I didn't use words like that. I said, get your hand off my backside this moment. He went, oh, and they were insulted that I actually told him to get his hand off my backside. And I was, I was nice. I was nice mm. about it. You know, I was very, I was young. So I wasn't like, Argh. I was very young, but I knew right. that that was not. A, so I said, excuse me, sir, would you please take your hand off my backside this moment? Okay. And they're all like, oh, you know, and I thought, sure. wow, wow. So I hadn't had a chance to talk to the manager. They complained about me. They complained about me that I wasn't, uh, easy to, you know, she's, she's difficult that way. Right. They found everything that they could to try no, to no, make they, they just basically said he knew what happened. He knew what mm -hmm. happened. Oh, well, she's just not easy going enough or whatever. I go home. I tell my mother and she's like, what? I said, yeah, I can't believe my mother was furious. Okay. So I get a call from the manager and from the tone of his voice, I knew what was going to happen. And I, I, I he, Hey, Jean. And I, I literally, before he said a word, I said, you're kidding me. Right. Because I knew what he was going to say. He goes, oh, yeah, um, you can't work here anymore. And I said, you are kidding me, right? I said, how dare you? How dare you be a part of that? This is disgusting behavior, and I quit anyway. You don't need to fire me. Don't even utter the words, I quit. And my mother was listening. She was so proud of me. Because I didn't even, I just said, don't even bother. You don't need to have this uncomfortable conversation with me. I quit. I would never work for it. But now I had no job. <laughs> Uh, I had no job. <laughs> still, I had no job, no nothing, but I went and got, you know, whatever. That was the worst experience ever about a manager, like, lead, horrible, right? Absolutely. I want to clarify something. When I said they found, another word for that, they invented, right? They created. Right. They, 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 were going, they were never going to own the responsibility oh, or no, the accountability. No. They didn't no. want change, right? They, they wanted no. what they wanted in regard, regardless of what well, was important. You know, it did make them feel good that, that I was basically, you know, the, the, the emperor's new clothes. You're being absolute scumbags. You know, how dare you? And I wasn't playing the game. And why would I? I was a waitress in a restaurant. I'm going to put up with that. It's so <laughs> sad. Say, people do. I know. But you're leading the way by showing people exactly. that you, we, you know, we don't compromise about things. No. We did a great episode yesterday on the fact that we don't right. compromise our best values and, and who we are, our identity, all this, especially at that level. So well, right. well done. Um, in addition to that, that's one of your best leadership experiences, by the way, right there on display is you being the leader to stand up hmm. and help a cultural shift begin, even though you ended up taking, you know, uh, losing your job because of it. It was the right mm -hmm. thing to do. What's another yeah. one of your best leadership experiences? Okay. So that, that was the worst one. Okay. The best one. Mm, let me think. I got to think about this. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I'll talk about the best 
we're actually still friends, the best boss I ever had. Okay. So yeah, I was in um, executive recruiting in New York. It was just before 2000, so before 9-11. And everything was great about this experience because I had a horrible experience with another recruiting firm. And I actually called this firm up because I knew they wanted help. And the guy on the phone, I said, do they like initiative? Because if they don't, I'm not even going to go in. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not even going to go in. Because the place I was at, they were like pushing me down. And, and I'm very, I have a lot of initiative. And I thought I need to work for people that appreciate my initiative and my lateral thinking that I, I take things, you know, and I'll, I'll go beyond. So I thought, you know what, I'm not yeah. going to work for another, again, I had no job, but somehow me and no jobs, I don't care. I'm not going to be like, oh, I need the job. I won't live like that. So I called them up and the guy, he goes, oh my gosh, they are going to love you. <laughs> so he gets, me, gets me in. He goes, I said, really? He goes, oh, they are going to love you. Sure enough. I go in and um, basically they, um, that's right. I, I, I interviewed with his wife and who I still know they live, they moved to, to Zurich, but anyway, she comes in and she's interviewing. She goes, Oh my gosh, I love you. She's like, you're just like, you're saying like everything you say, I was just, we're just one of, you know, they were, I was their kind, you know, yeah. I was their kind. Right. She's like, Oh, I, I love you. She goes, Oh my, and she goes, and you look like one of my favorite movie stars and Baxter. <laughs> like from the movie <laughs> All About Eve. And I thought, okay, I haven't had that one before. But she had studied film at, at, uh, at New York University years earlier. So she, we were all, we loved film and old film. Oh. And I was a filmmaker and an actress. And halfway too. You, you, got a, yeah. you got a couple actresses in. You got, you got TV yeah. face. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I was an actress for years. I don't know if you know oh, that. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, she's like, oh my gosh, I love you. Oh, I'm going to tell Dan. And so he calls me. And he goes, okay, you're hired. I love you. Dan loves you. you know, George George was the wife, Georgina. He goes, uh, what do you need? I said, well, I am leaving back behind about 10K in, in bonuses. He goes, done. I turned up for the first day at work and there was a check for $10,000 to make up for the, the um, bonuses that I was going to give up. Good for you. Right there. And him, both. Well, what they found their champion. You know, they right. had a championship level culture. They recognize one. They're like, oh, heck yeah. Yeah. And actually, Time I was very recruit. I was extremely successful in that. In that, I'm so I glad you talked about that. I think this is one of the most overlooked aspects of small businesses, based on my limited experience of a few thousand businesses in, um, okay. right? But out of the ones that I've seen, there's a missing culture of recruiting, um, right. right? There's this. Uh, okay, great. We found the right person. You seem awesome. And what's the least amount we can pay you? Right. And Not how do we it. get you to do all these things you don't want to do? And we want to make sure to control your time. And right. we, and it's just, we, 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 there's no recruiting power. Of no, like, okay. Well, this is the funny thing. It's it. funny you said that I'm not done. This is recruiting. These, this is, this is high end executive recruiting for wall street. He then yeah. says me, what do you need? He says, what do you need? I thought oh, he's my kind of man. <laughs> what do you need? I said, <laughs> Oh, funny. You mentioned that. I said, well, I only want to work three days a week. He went, okay. <laughs> Cause all of them work full time. And yeah. I had always negotiated sort of like four. And I thought, you know what? I just want three days. I want to have a nice life. You know, go to my exercise, work out every day, go to my auditions and create my films and have a nice life. I had a beautiful life. And I said, he goes, okay. He goes, you can work one day a week if you can perform. And I said, I'm going to need three. He goes, great, done. So <laughs> I was working three days a week as in a very professional job. They were, they thought yeah. outside the box. He's thinking this woman's I did more work in three days a week than all the other people in five. He knew that. Right. I said, I said, I'll get it done. He knew that I'd go in three days a week and I chose the days I could choose so I could have a longer weekend and travel if I wanted. He didn't care. 
Mm -hmm. He said, just perform. I said, I will. And I did. I hired five investment bankers in a year and a half and nobody else had, I think, won altogether with the whole team. I also moved a team of investment bankers from Credit Suisse to Deutsche Bank. It was the first time in banking history in Sweden, in, sorry, in Switzerland that ever happened. And they still talk about it in Switzerland. Okay. And I initiated wow. that. So, and somebody in Swiss banking the other day said, that was you. I said, what do you mean? Was that me? He goes, that's the only time that ever happened in history in Swiss banking. I said, oh, really? Like that's known? He goes, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know. Right. So that was the you're, thing. Just, you're making it happen. They said, what do you need? I said, this is what I need. They said, done. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I don't want to, I don't want to miss any other opportunity to learn from that experience. So do you have something else you want to add about that? Or can I move into the powerful lesson? Let's move into the powerful lesson. Okay. So this is a big one. John, if this was your last chance to share a lesson with visionaries, mm -hmm. to help them learn what they can do based on your experience, what powerful lesson can the visionaries learn from your experience? This, this is oh. the last one. Okay. So this is the thing. We're all down on ourselves at some point in our life. It's up and down, up and down. We're down for months or we're down for weeks or we're fine and we're down for a day. I mean, down, you know, down on ourselves, right? And we, we, uh, we're not good enough and it's always our fault and we're blaming ourselves for certain things. Okay. We need to sustain a belief in ourselves. We need to not drop because once we morally drop, and I mean like in the fact of like demoralization, moral, right? If we become demoralized at any point, that demoralization and, and putting ourselves down and dropping that affects our whole life. And it's really that mindset of keeping a buoyant energy, because I'll explain what I mean. When we start to crumple, guess what happens? Our energy kind of goes down, like, uh, and we're down here. What you want to do is you want to make sure that you don't get down there. You're like, okay, you know, this wasn't a great day. Things might not be going well. Maybe I've lost some confidence because I'm not getting the clients. But really, that makes or break. That That's the make or break, is to, to keep a buoyant energy, even if you're having a bad day. I'm having a bad day. That's okay. I haven't lost value. I'm still confident. You know, we all struggle with this. And, you know, at high, the higher level you are, those people also struggle. They're comparing themselves to, you know, Bill Gates or whatever, right? Yeah. So it's really about, it's not about feeling great about yourself because you got a client and that gave you confidence. It's about no matter what, no matter what you have value whether you had a bad month or a good month. And I think that entrepreneurs, we tend to measure our value about how well our month is going revenue wise. Would you agree? Uh, definitely. Definitely. That's the common, that's the commonality. Um, sometimes I find myself getting trapped in it, but I actually mm -hmm. agree with your concept and, and, and abide by that concept wholeheartedly. Um, right. So one of my favorite chapters of any book ever is from the book, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar by David mm -hmm. Sandler. And it's chapter mm -hmm. number one. Mm -hmm. And it's your I versus your R. Mm. And it's your identity versus your role. And most right. people are caught up in their role. But you've, mm -hmm. you just hit on it, right? Sustaining the belief in yourself comes from understanding your intrinsic value. And that mm -hmm. you are permanently, perfectly valuable. And therefore, I can't lose sight. I can't afford to lose sight of sustaining my belief. I right. get the opportunity to mm -hmm. realize how important I am as a human being, as a, as a virtue, not mm -hmm. arrogant. There's a huge mm -hmm. difference. People, people have such a hard time, and I, I feel for them, thinking that confidence and arrogance are the same. Confidence no. is a virtue. Mm -hmm. Arrogance is a vice. Exactly. Um, 
So right. I, I'm with you wholeheartedly. Right. Yeah, no. It's sad to see the business owners who are stuck projecting mm-hmm. their, their value based on the immediacy of the metrics when that's kind of irrelevant. Oh, well, I mean, it, it is relevant. Well, it's, it's not, not relevant to value. I wouldn't say, yeah, no. not, not too relevant to value. Thank you. You clarified that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the thing is, it's hard. And literally, I think a lot about this. The, the, what's missing often is something so small, like the amount of leads, like, you know, people's confidence can be sorted out with getting a stream of worthy leads. Okay. doesn't make you any better at what you're doing. Well, you have more clients, so I guess you're getting more experience, but what can kill confidence is that people's lead flow ends. Have you seen that? All of a sudden, oh, no yeah. leads. No, it's something so small and it, it seems big, but it's actually one piece missing from your funnel that mm-hmm. that can destroy confidence. And I, I'm like, it's so ironic to me. And I think about this a lot. I'm like, wow, it's the difference between having a lot of leads or your lead flow dries up that you're going to lose all confidence because you're not getting the clients, right? And it's human nature, but that means we need to fix our lead flow. That's what that means. Right. We need to fix our lead flow. Right. It's the process, not the person. And that's mm. where it also overlaps with the the sustaining the self-belief, right? Is recognizing right. that while the process is broken, the person is not. Uh, exactly. I like that, that video of the guy who wadded up the dollar bill and stomped on it and talked right. about the value of the dollar did not change by it the way not it was change. treated or the environment that it was in. It's still there. Your mm-hmm. value is intact. It doesn't change. And that could be that could be in the form of not having the leads coming in. That could mm-hmm. be in the form of, oh my gosh, I messed up on my podcast, um, you know, right. and, and made it made a mistake. Oh, um, my my hair. I have a crooked tooth. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so therefore I'm not as valuable as people who have straight teeth, right? There's mm. all sorts of little things that um we could allow to affect our confidence. Absolutely. We don't Absolutely. understand the virtue itself. Well, you could find yeah, you could find it. Sorry, you could find a million reasons why we're all not worthy. Let's look at me. Right. I got online, I was 54 years old. I love that. So this is not like gee. I am the pinup girl for Insta, right? I'm not, okay? 54 years old. Also, I knew nothing about tech. I couldn't even use Zoom. I was terrible at tech. I I was very not techy. So here's a person so challenged, okay? Challenged because there is ageism in the world, let's face it, okay? And, right? It's huge in Uruguay. It's huge in Uruguay. That was at McDonald's. You couldn't get hired. Um, mm-hmm. If you did not speak English, if you were not mm-hmm. good looking and you were not in that young, beautiful age bracket, right. because the supply and demand is not in the in the favor of the individuals who need jobs. And that's not fair and that's not the right way to look at it. But it is a reality that that, you know, it's not hard to look at and say, like, oh, well, that's that's why. Right. So there is ageism. Absolutely. There is. There's also um, looksism. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I like it. Looksism. We're coining that. <laughs> but the thing is this. Human beings are human beings, and they've done studies on it. even babies go go around more attractive other babies. It's human nature. We can't judge yes. that. Human beings want to be right. around attractive people. It's just we're hardwired that way. Yeah. But that's a fact. So because that's a fact, 
coming online, I'm not like some 20, whatever. Of course, nobody wants a 20 year old coach because what do they know? <laughs> well, some of them know something, but You're some calm. people like that. But the fact is, I didn't say to myself, oh my gosh, I'm 54 years old and, and I'm a woman and I'm so bad at tech. I said, you know what? I'm scared to death right now because I'm in deep debt and I have two children. I'm 54 and I need a plan. I'm also scared to death because I don't want my, my daughters to model this. That was my biggest fear was my daughters modeling my failure. Mm. I thought, oh no. And they didn't know I was failing at that point. I didn't tell them that yeah. we were living on credit card. Okay. So I thought I got to fix this now before my kids get older and they know, because that was my, that was literally my biggest fear. I, I have to model that, that I can be successful. So can they, even with these odds against me. So I got online and I was determined and I didn't think about those things. What I did is I had a kernel, a kernel of belief in myself still. I wasn't feeling great about my life. I wasn't confident. I felt like crap. I was like, oh my gosh, I failed, but that's okay. I still believe in myself and I still believe that I can do better and I, I, I will do better. And this is not my lot in life. And I feel like my fate is to do better. And I thought even somewhere, I think I could be a million dollar coach. Now, anybody... If I'd said that to any passerby, they'd be like, you loco, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right? But of course, I didn't share that with sure. anybody. But I had Smart. that in the back of my mind. I thought, wait, weren't you supposed to be that person that was supposed to help a lot of people and, and also live well? And I thought, I'm, I'm doing it. So I did that against all odds, really. I, did it, I didn't know about tech. And I just said, I'm going to go online. And I didn't think I was going to make a million dollars. I said, I'm just going to do my best. And I'd made a million dollars without realizing it. I looked back and I thought, oh, I made a million dollars a couple of months ago. <laughs> I was just working. I was shut up. And, High product. Shut up and row. I was just shut up and I rode, you know, just. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, there's all these things, but I know a lot of people that, that make a lot of money and they're not like pinup girls and they're not that attractive. They're just, they believe in themselves, you know, yeah. they just do it. So there's a lot of pinup girls who don't believe in themselves yes, either. Right. Exactly. And so I think a lot of people would call you a pinup girl um, as well, by the way, you are beautiful. And <laughs> the 58 year old pinup girl. The, is hilarious. That's right. And, and well, you and Jennifer Aniston, right? Um, so the, the let, but let's go back to this reality. Here's what's so cool about this to me is I have almost zero influence on a 54 mm -hmm. year old who's starting today. Mm-hmm. I am right. not that beacon for them, right? right? I can, I can be. I was that 19-year-old a missionary who mm -hmm. did help 80-year-old atheists. But that wow. is the that is the that is the challenge, right? That is the there's a spectrum that it is far easier for that 80-year-old to see somebody starting at 80 and say, "Oh man, I can do mm -hmm. that too." So you're an inspiration to the world. And by the way, Instagram is making a big shift. They don't need any more 20-year-olds. They are. To point out why Instagram is important. You are the new pinup. You are the Actually, one that like, let's get all the 50-year-olds on this thing. How do we do it? Oh, let's go to Sean. Do you know what? TikTok, I actually just got on TikTok because they've changed too. TikTok oh, yeah. has put a lot of money into education now. Did you know that? I believe it. I, it's, yeah, yeah. It, that, they, they would be very uh, short-sighted to not do that. Yeah, they don't want to just have the dancing girls in bikinis anymore. Yeah, yeah. Imagine mm. that. Um, right. Limiting, limiting their market with uh, burning their reputation uh, to death. So, anyway, my own personal opinions, humble opinions, nobody else's. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this is awesome. This is such a great interview, Jean. And we're gonna put it. We're gonna put together a landing page. We'll have links mm -hmm. to be able to connect with Jean on there as well. Where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Well, prefer? I make it really simple. My name on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, just my name. Also, you'll be having 
the link to my uh, reviews page and there's a place where people can book a call. Perfect. Excellent opportunity to look at the depth of who Jana has helped, how she's helped them, how they feel at her, her, what well, this is in the business world, this is called a tank page or a mm -hmm. giant testimonial page. And if you go through it, you can see all the people who have been so excited to work with her. I uh, probably reach out to some of them, them as well. So maximum impact and scale for coaches and service providers. Guys, this comes from living principles, um, you know, studying the principles, deciding to be a part of them. She shared so many great principles on this. This is like a mini rich dad, poor dad uh, <laughs> episode to me. And it's, it's going to be a very good gift for me for the rest of my life. So thank you so much for being here today. This, well, this awesome. was a pleasure and it was fun. I really appreciate you having me on your show, Jackson. Absolutely. Vision pros. If you want to apply to be on the show, don't hesitate to grab that link at the bottom as well. Like, comment, share. If you know of anybody who would benefit from this specific episode, we ask that you tag them and we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an 